family and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. Still recovering from Jesse calling me the Riddler because of my outfit. Ten seconds there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was so good. Yeah, he's like, I love that outfoot. You look like the Riddler. No, it's, I mean like a classier Riddler, obviously. <laughs> like a non-evil uh, Riddler. Uh, <laughs> yes or no, McAuliffe today looks like the Riddler. I'm using myself in the third person. No, I, I, I know I should be clinging to summer at this juncture in time, but... You know, we're going to talk some golf today. Adam Stanley's coming on the show. This is kind of like my green jacket. It's a sharp outfit. Like, you got to wear your sharp outfit. No, you can't call someone the Riddler and then say it's a, a sharp outfit. Anyway, is, Greg, the, Rid- is Sebi, the Riddler, like, my... is that consensus a bad look? The Riddler dresses up, doesn't he? You, you right. think it's the Riddler's okay? Yeah. Yeah. Sebi? Oh, man, <laughs> Mr. Sensitive over here. Yeah, no, I thought it was a diss for <laughs> sure. No, it just meant he, you know, of all the villains. Okay, fine. Then of I won't... all the villains, the, Red, the Riddler dresses up. Okay, you just fine. Need a, a, what does he have, a cane? Is that his thing? The Riddler? Fine. Oh, that's the penguin. My fine. Bad. I won't call I'm you. Not Mag- up to speed on my I won't bad, call man. you Magnum PI today. Okay, fine. <laughs> I knew. I knew that's why you started off. I, I, that's a, know, I know. I think that's a compliment. Today. The Magnum PI. Uh, I think that's yeah. a compliment. So the Riddler, is, like, listen, I'm, I'm out on my Batman like you, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So I don't obviously. really know if the Riddler is not a rip. I'm okay with it. We'll let the viewers decide. Write us in. Right. Is the Riddler good or bad <laughs> for is Tim's it, outfit? Is it a rip or not? Yeah. And how much do you like Magnum P.I.? Because I, it's yeah. sharp. It's I Florida. It's, it's a yeah. Florida look. <laughs> Why not? Uh, I think the Jays are enjoying playing in Boston these days. Yes. You know, f- 59 runs in seven games yes. tends to do that to a team. Game two of the three games set at Fenway coming your way on <laughs> Sportsnet tonight as game day starts right here on Tim and Friends. Now, the door kind of open for you to settle in and just watch the Jays tonight. But tomorrow... Champ pack start of the CP Women's Open, start of the Women's World Hockey Championships, start of week 12 in the CFL, start of week number three in the NFL preseason, yada, yada, yada. It's me, Timothy, and Jesse Rubinoff here with you, Elliot Friedman. And Jacob Markstrom are stopping by a little later, cool. later on. I mentioned Adam Stanley on the eve of the CP Women's Open and and an attempt to stop the bleeding from Jay Monahan and the PGA Tour, whether that'll work, we'll discuss yeah. with him and with Jesse. And first things first, Arden Zwelling will pop by from Fenway Park instead of the hotel room with the bad hi- Wi-Fi or Hi-Fi. I think it's a different thing. Hi-Fi might be a different thing. Wi-Fi was bad when we talked to him from the hotel room. What's Hi-Fi? Careful on that, uh, that Google search. Okay. All right. Uh, All right. And as if that weren't enough, one of the greatest Blue Jays of all time is stopping by today. Here's a pitch on the way, a swing and a belt, left field, way back, Blue Jays win it! The Blue Jays are World Series champions! Touch them all, Joe, you'll never hit a bigger home run in your life! Did you Google high fidelity? I did. High fidelity, yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, you just told me, yeah. so yeah, I didn't need to do it. That's right, kids. Joe Carter stopping by ahead <laughs> of a celebration of the 1992 World Series team. That, of course, was 1993. And just to make some of us feel old, probably not Jesse, that celebration this weekend for the Jays, 30 years after the World Series banner first flew north of the border in the immortal words mm-hmm. of Sean McDonough. For the kids.
in 92. We will talk to the Canadian Baseball Hall of Famer, Joseph Chris Carter, coming up within the hour to Sweet to be Sour right here on Tim and Friends. But we kick off the festivities as we always do with Jesse Rubinoff and First Things First. So let's separate the fact from the fiction, Otis Nixon. <laughs> first Things First. first. I, I do have to say, you're, you're very good at keeping those relevant to uh, where you came from to where we're going. I, uh, I, I hope people get them, but some, I honestly think, like, how many people watching this show right now, if we were to give them the truth serum, knew that Otis Nixon was the one who laid down the bunt that ended the 92 World uh, a Series? Lot. A lot. You think so? Oh, yeah. I think you have to be of a certain vintage. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the average age of the uh, Tim and Friends viewers is, but I would imagine most people well, like my kid, understand. Like my 12-year-old kid and his baseball team. I don't know if they know. They have no they idea, right? They probably don't. They yeah. know the Carter home there's run, a few, obviously. There's a few of them. They do now if they watch the show. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and that's what we try. We try to edutain here on Tim and Friends. Love yes. it. Love it. Uh, okay, let's go from the Blue Jays of a 92-93 vintage to the Blue Jays from last night. Their series in Boston continues tonight. They took the opener against the Red Sox, 9-3. The Jays scored eight runs in the third inning, all with two outs, and got another good start from Ross Stripling as they improved to 6-1 at Fenway Park this season, and 11-3 against the Red Sox overall. Does that have more to do with the Jays being good or the Red Sox being bad? Ooh, take a little from column A, Mr. Rubinoff, and take a little from column B, Mr. Rubinoff, because if you look at the lineup for the Red Sox today, it appears as though Alex Cora has a white flag and he may be waving it on the Boston Red Sox season. We'll get more into that in a flash, but the Jays have been good. There it is there. <laughs> look at this. Rob Refsnyder is leading oh off and playing right field. Look who's playing shortstop. Bobby Dahlbeck is playing shortstop today for the Boston Red Sox. To quote June Lee on Twitter, Mount Rushmore of Red Sox shortstops. Nomar, Xander Bogarts, Joe Cronin, Johnny Pesky, Squints pulls up magnifying glass, Bobby <laughs> Dalbeck. What's going on? Why are they doing this? I, it's a wonderful question, uh, and maybe we'll get an answer in the pregame scrums, yeah. or maybe it's just what I was saying, and the Boston Red Sox are saying. Seven out, see you later. No mas. Yeah. From no mar to no mas. Yeah on the 2022 season. But give the Jays some credit here and give their starting pitching some credit. I mean, Ross Stripling goes out there again. This time, six innings of six hit ball, one earned run, six Ks. Since replacing Hyunjin Ryu in the rotation, my guy is 5-2 with a 2.14 ERA over 12 starts. This is no longer just a small sample size. AL ERA leaders since June 6th when he took over the role from Hyunjin Ryu. So this isn't some random number someone accused me of posting on Twitter last week. This is not a random number. Cease Verlander Otani Stripling. One, two, three, four in the American League. And if you look at the last six games from the Jays starters, this is the difference between good and great for the Toronto Blue Jays. Their starters have gone 36 over the last six games, four earned runs, which is a one-flat ERA, 0.92 whip. This, if they are getting this from their starters, look the bleep out. Now, obviously, this isn't a long sample size. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Jose Barrios and his adjustment to bring his hands closer to his face Saw that, yeah. has worked out, but if you get 
good to that, which is great, starting pitching from the Toronto Blue Jays, they're going to win a hell of a lot of games. And they're going to scare a hell of a lot of teams going into the postseason. Because Gossman's good, been good most of the year. Yeah. Alec Manoa's been a horse. And ever since joining the rotation, Stripling's been unbelievable. And he might be your fourth starter when you get to the postseason. I say might because mm -hmm. Barrios, listen, I don't know what he is. Manoa's never been here before. There are a lot of ifs and buts that are woven into what I'm saying. I get it. I understand it. Please don't write in. However, that's how you turn into a really, really good team is bullpen settled down. The hitters are what the hitters are right now, and they could be better. Mm -hmm. But if you get that pitching, those hitters can relax a little bit, and they're going to win a lot of games. It feels like whenever they play the Red Sox, their pitching comes together, and you see what they can do offensively. Because, yeah, again, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, that's, six games. That's, also the, that's also the Yankees that they pitch really well against. Yeah, yeah. It's not a small sample size anymore. Yeah. Maybe hurt Yankees, but still. Still a good team, nonetheless. Yeah. Um, you look at the eight-run inning yesterday. Uh, George Springer has a triple in mm -hmm. that a perfectly placed ball if I do say so myself yeah. so it appears George Springer is back and healthy and you get a sense that when this team puts it all together like they did last night and when they do basically anytime they play the Red Sox like this offense is elite and there has been a lot of consternation about uh, they don't have enough lefty bats etc cetera, etc cetera. that has been the complaint and there's been feast or famine complaints throughout the year too but you're starting to see now that when they go up against pitching that they should beat up on they are tending to beat up on that pitching. And it just shows that the offense is really capable of doing some serious damage here. And I think a lot of that starts with George Springer. I, I, there's two things, and I'm going to stop interrupting you, and I'm just going to write things down. Love it. Um, but it's one of my weaknesses, and I apologize for it. <laughs> uh, Self-scouting is also uh, one of my strengths, the so I understand it. It's in the um, You're the villain today, the Riddler. <laughs> I believe they're, what, 32-12 and 12 now That's against exactly teams right. yeah. below 500 yeah. on the year. So they have beat up on bad pitching. Mm -hmm. But you said right near the start a, uh, um, that Springer was back and healthy. You don't know that. <laughs> I don't no, know I, that. I don't know. It's, no. Nobody not, knows hasn't played that. the field yet. So. Hasn't played no. in the field yet. If he is, I will give you a hell to the yeah. Think Ref Snyder could have got to that? No. No, it's perfectly not. placed. It's, such, it's just such a weird thing because he's, he looks so good. He's been so good since he came off the injured list, but he's playing sporadically. And when he plays, he's playing so well. It's like, what is going on? What is bothering him? Is it his knee? Is it his elbow? Why can't he play the field? Why is he just DHing? Why is he pinch hitting some games? It's bizarre, and we've already discussed this at length. We did this last week. You just wonder, like, what is going on? Because it, when he plays, it appears he's pretty good. <laughs> Unbelievably to say, good. To say the least. Yeah, the yeah. average is 600. By the way, I also wrote down sporadically. That's a great word. Yeah, I was going to say a great word, yeah. but I didn't want to interrupt no. you again. <laughs> okay, this is going to be a thing. Uh, I thought the Jackie Bradley Jr. story was really cool yeah. as well. I agree. Listen, we, you and I could harp on the Springer, but I'm not going to because I want to see him back and healthy and be confident in saying that he's back and healthy, yeah. and I'm not confident in saying that he's back and healthy right now. I'm not confident in saying that the Yankees are back and healthy, but they're getting back and healthy. Stanton's going to return to the lineup tomorrow, and they just took two of two from 
what is a good New York Mets team, which is still shocking for me to say. So I, I don't know what this means. I do know that the schedule eases. I do know that they're pitching better. I do know that maybe they can gather some momentum here and maybe they can cause some contagious pitching, mm -hmm. some contagious hitting, and continue to beat up on bad teams. I also think that the Yankees are going to get better and what the Jays are playing for is to host one of those wild cards. Yes. Games. I think Jays fans would take that series at this point. I'm so used to saying wild card games. I'm going to have to change that to wild card series. Well, it's new this year, so yeah. you get a break. Uh, Joe Carter and Arden Zwelling coming up a little bit later. I don't think Arden is in a hotel room in Boston. I think he's going to be from the field. Is that right? I, I have heard that he is going to be from the field. <laughs> By the way, yeah, uh, it will be. when do we start? Listen, did you see that the Jays released their schedule for next year? I did. Year? The balanced schedule? The little bit more balanced schedule. Mm -hmm. It's still not balanced, right? Yeah, but they, there's they still play more everybody. games against their own division than there are against the rest of the American League. But they will play everybody. They will play everybody, but there are more games yeah. against, and the home opener is against the Tigers. Fittingly, um, when do we start the lobby to move the Jays to the Central? Well, okay, that's a very interesting uh, comment because do you th do you really think that? The central balance, sucks. Yes. The, the central definitely sucks. But do you think a balanced schedule really matters? Because if if the AL yes. East, if the AL East remains good, like if this doesn't help the Jays, because if the AL East remains good, then those teams will still beat up on every other opponent that they're playing, regardless. The fact that the division is good, they win games no matter what. So it does. Like if the Yankees play a bad NL team, they're going to win that game and they're still going to, Jays yeah, are still going to have to contend with that but in don't, the division. Don't get bogged down in that. You just don't have to contend for all those teams to win your division and winning your division still means something. Yeah. Being top two in your league means something. It gives you an advantage mm -hmm. at this point and you're going to have to compete with the American League East the entire time and while the balanced schedule evens it out a little bit, you still have to play your division more than you play anybody yeah. else. And you still have to contend with them to win said division. And that's where the that's where the unbalanced lies. And maybe when the Jays suck and they need fans through the gate, and that's when Boston and New York matter in your division, now who gives a bleep? Mm -hmm. I, I forget it. They've got a rivalry with the you, you just scheduled them home opener with the Tigers. They've got a rival. Love it's it. A, it's a natural rival with rivalry, or at least it was, with Detroit. Bring Let's it back. go back to it. Yeah. Uh, the Jays do not play the Yankees or Rays in June, July, or August next of year. next year. Crazy. Like that sounds crazy yeah, to me. Uh, okay, moving on from uh, baseball. We're going to go to the PGA because the season wraps up this weekend with the Tour Championship in Atlanta ahead of the event commissioner. Jay Monahan held a news conference to announce more changes to the tour schedule and compensation model. Monahan said the top players on tour are committing to compete in at least 20 events starting next season, including 12 elevated tournaments that will have purses between 15 and 20 million dollars among other changes. Tim, will this be enough to stop more players from leaving for live? Did you, uh, did you hear my deep breath? That's the million dollar question. Yeah. Lay it on us. Short answer, not really, but this is nuanced and you and I have tried to <laughs> cycle through the nuance over the last little while. But mm -hmm. I've asked you several times. Mm -hmm. How did the PGA Tour become the empathetic figure in all of this? Like, how did they become the underdog that we were all cheering for? Well, I've thought about it. 
and I guess not being an authoritative regime with absolute rule and constantly ranked among the worst of the worst in several of the political and civil rights abuses rankings would do that. Attempting to whitewash their abuses with some golf, some football, maybe some combat sports is a low bar for the PGA Tour to climb over and they're struggling with it. Like, for the, the worst part of this is that for the PGA Tour, Phil Mickelson may have been right when he jammed his foot in his mouth talking about the Saudis. That the PGA Tour wasn't giving golfers their fair share. Now all of a sudden, they found some more money? I'm not buying that. Just like I'm not buying a ticket to any live event ever. Jay Monahan, Commissioner, PGA Tour, where the hell did you find this money? The money comes from three sources, Doug. Uh, one, I would say for 2020, this year that we're in, the tour is having you know, its strongest year in history of the PGA Tour. It's performing well ahead of budget. Um, secondly, as you've heard me talk about before, uh, the tour through the years has been uh, very prudent in, in managing its finances and building reserves. I would say, additionally, our partners uh, our, our, our sponsors and all of our partners who want to get behind and are getting behind the direction that we're going in, want to be a part of the continued growth and evolution of the tour. They recognize that with the changes we're talking about today, the changes that we've made prior to today, and the direction we're heading in, we're going to be creating more value. And when you create more value, you're going to get more income coming into the business. So those are the three primary things that really help us to make this move today and will help us grow as we go forward. First off, my name is Tim, not Doug, though I am Canadian and I see how you could screw that up. <laughs> Two, building reserves. They've been building reserves over the last few years, right? Imagine that. making Phil Mickelson right in all this. That's what the PGA Tour has done in the midst of all that. I know that there's look over here, look over there, look over here. But Phil called them out at the start of all this for not paying their players enough. And guess what? Push came to shove and got some money. Like, I'm guessing all this only came about because of Tiger Woods and his players only meeting about a week ago. Oh, and it just so happens Tiger and Rory have started their own company called Tomorrow Sports, and they will do stuff that will probably rival the PGA Tour as well. Here's what's going to happen. Liv will eventually die because they can't make money, and the sport-washing aspect has backfired no matter who ends up on Fox News. But they did drag the PGA Tour into the 21st century, which might not even be enough. Mark my words, when this sorts all out, and it will take years, the PGA Tour will never be the same, and Jay Monahan probably won't be around to see it. I think that's an excellent take, actually, because Phil Mickelson, it feels like, created leverage for the top players in the PGA Tour to say, look, we are going to leave unless you do this. We are going to spell the end of the PGA Tour unless these things happen. Right. And you have to think that uh, a lot of this obviously is helping the top players. They're going to make a boatload more money. Great time a, to be a professional a golfer. A boatload yeah. more money. Great time to be a professional golfer. But from all of the things that I see on this list, and, and one thing that I think makes the PGA Tour a little bit more sustainable and more likely to retain young talent is that they are now giving 
players who are exempt to play on the PGA Tour an actual salary right. of $500,000. So previously, if I was to go to an event as a player and I missed the cut, I basically got to pay my own way. Yeah. And that makes a very difficult living. So if Liv comes calling to you and says, we're going to offer you X millions of dollars to come and play, why wouldn't I go pay? Or why, why wouldn't I go play on Liv, right? Yeah, I, I used to say this about Tiger Woods. Like, it was easy to be Tiger Woods early in his career because he didn't have to worry about making cuts. He was making millions and millions money. of dollars in endorsement yeah, money. Totally. So it alleviated the risk of, do I need to go for this green and maybe win the tournament or miss it and finish fifth, yep. right? Yep. Like, it helps. It definitely helps. Or miss a cut, right? Yeah. Make the shot to miss a cut. What I wonder is, do any of the live? golf players who are now there say well these are the changes that we kind of wanted like some of them have enough money hey, it's not going to matter hey. when you're making 50 100 250 million dollars obviously you don't care but some of them maybe want to go back and they're not going to be able to yeah that's you just signed a deal with the saudis good luck reneging on that contract yeah. you really think it's good you think it's going to die eh? yeah i do i think they'll i think so much money though. i know i know but eventually people get tired of burning money and I, they'll have a lot of money to burn. Mm -hmm. But right now they're burning. No one shows up. No one gives a bleep. Yeah. They put it on YouTube. Someone said, oh, there's, there's 47,000 people watching on YouTube. That's nothing. That's <laughs> not. That's like what watches this show on a regular day. Yeah. Yeah. If we get 47,000, I'm pissed off. <laughs> and, there's, and there's someone saying to me, oh, my God, there's 47,000 people watching yeah. on YouTube. That's, that is nothing. Yeah. Zero. And we don't make $100 million either. No, and no one pays me. No. <laughs> Close to never mind. Adam Stanley coming up a little bit later. I don't even I'm get sure Bob McCowan money. <laughs> what the hell are we talking about here? Okay. Uh, let's go to the Women's Worlds next. Uh, the World Hockey Championship begins tomorrow Bob in Denmark. Canada takes on Finland. Should have been a golfer, Jesse. tournament opener. No, now you should have been a golfer. <laughs> not previously. Uh, it's the first time the World Championship is being held in an Olympic year, just six months after Canada won gold in Beijing. Last summer in Calgary, Marie-Philippe Poulin scored the golden goal in overtime as Canada beat the U.S. to win gold at the World Championship for the first time since 2012. What would captaining the team to a third major championship in the span of a year mean for Poulin's legacy? It's already set in stone, and I believe that she's the GOAT. And I'd love to have Haley Wickenheiser on to discuss what she thinks of Mary-Philippe Poulin. Because, listen, she's lost... Six no Melody Daou, that's mm -hmm. your 2018 Olympic MVP uh, and 2021 World Championship MVP. Natalie Spooner is having a child, congratulations, Natalie and family. Uh, third leading scorer from the World Championship last year, Olympic All-Star, both them out. Now, Sarah Nurse, as we saw from the cover of EA Sports, NHL. Very cool. Yeah, very, very, very cool. Yeah. Uh, NHL 23 is elevating to near superstar level on the women's side of things, and I'm here for it. But there's going to be a lot of pressure on Marie-Philippe Poulain. She, if she can do this again, she just cements another unbelievable step in this march towards uh, maybe eventually being the goat of women's hockey. And just the record in clutch games is unbelievable, and that's why I say right now I think she might be the GOAT. Um, but she's just going to keep adding because she's unbelievable and she's good and she does this without yeah. two great players. It's another, it's another uh, 
unbelievable feat for an unbelievable player. Yeah, I just wonder. We just had the, the golden save from Mason McTavish, and you just wonder how Marie Philippe Poulain is going to top it. Yeah, because maybe. every time she plays, it's yeah. like she's the clutchest of clutch athletes we've ever seen. So you just know that it's going to come down right. to the third period or overtime, and who's going to score? It's going right. to be her again. Well, man, and listen, Jenner is better. Yeah. Uh, another year better. She's very good, obviously, Olympic MVP. Uh, you've got Nurse. You've got Fillier. There, there, there are always... Uh, people waiting to take the mantle mm -hmm. in Canada, but losing two significant pieces like that, uh, it'll be interesting. And they're still the favorites. No Brianna Decker for the Americans. Uh, yeah. Broke her leg in the Olympics, still recovering too. So uh, that's a big blow. So both teams, uh, I guess, undermanned a, a bit, a bit, mm -hmm. all things considered. But um, <laughs> you see the odds. That hasn't changed. Yeah, I wonder if, if someone else maybe might be able to squeeze in there. Yeah. They're, they're, the Finns once got robbed. Yeah. <laughs> what? Alrighty, whatever. All right, still to come, Adam Stanley from Ottawa, ahead of the CP Women's Open. Arden Zwelling from Fenway Park as the Jays look to keep it rolling against the Red Sox. And up next, Blue Jays legend Joe Carter will be part of the 30th year anniversary of the 92 World Series squad. And he will join us next to discuss right here on Tim and Friends. Down the right field line, dives, and it's Bile. Springer is on his way to third, and a bases-loaded triple. And the beat goes on for the Blue Jays. It is eight to one. O'Neill Cruz whacks it to right field. That is going to hit hard off the wall. Look at that off the wall in a split second. A hundred and twenty-two point four miles an hour. Wow. That is a missile. The hardest hit ball in the StatCast era. For the first time in history, the World Championship banner will fly north of the border. The Toronto Blue Jays are baseball's best in 1992. Field. Down the line, a base hit into the left field corner. White has scored. Alomar comes around. The ball gets away from Gant. It's a two-run double for Dave Winfield. And a 4-2 Toronto lead. Timlin. Nixon butts. Timlin on it. Throws to first. For the first time in history, the World Championship banner will fly north of the border. The Toronto Blue Jays are baseball's best in 1992. Ah, yes, and it is shaping up to be quite the Saturday at the Rogers Center. We got Jays Angels, Otani versus Manoa, and of course a celebration of the 30-year anniversary of the 92 Toronto Blue Jays World Series champion with a free bomber jacket to the first 15,000 cool. yeah. in the yard on Saturday. And yes, I believe it's already sold out. Uh, check for tickets wherever you can get tickets now. So not only do you get the jacket, if you are among the first 15K through the door, you get Otani, Manoa, and a host of Blue Jays legends who allowed the World Series championship banner to fly north of the border for the first time ever. One of the biggest of those legends and the man who made the final out Otis Nixon, first base on the lob from Timlin. Joe Carter joins us ahead of the celebration. Welcome back to the show, Joe. How are you? Oh, man, Tim, I am doing wonderful. What a great time that was. And, and you know, this, this game with the Angels, Otani,
Johnny, Manoa. I mean, sellout crowd and, you know, honoring us. Man, it is going to be electric in there, isn't it? Wow, that is awesome. It's going to be crazy. Is the Skydome just another stadium, or does does immediately walking through those doors or maybe maybe out onto that field kind of bring it back for you? Well, walking onto the field, I'm looking at it, I'm going – Man, you know, at at age 62, that field looks awful big. (laughs) And I'm like, there's no way I can cover the outfield or hit a ball out of the ballpark now. But when you walk back on that field and and you you feel the excitement that we had there in 92, I look out in right field and I see a big old sign that says, Winfield wants no A's. And the, the atmosphere that 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 stadium was giving us, the fans, in 92 was unbelievable, 51,000 strong. And you can't help but get chills when you listen to that last out. And when you walk on the field, you're like, man, it was I can't believe it's been 30 years. It seemed like it was maybe 10 years ago, but 30 years is something that uh, we'll never forget because that first one is always the toughest. Kind of pissed because we got a picture of you on the screen, Joe, and you still got your hair. Uh, I no longer have my <laughs> hair, uh, but it was good times. And, and I know most folks remember the home run and for good reason, but, but what do you remember most about the 92 World Series? The thing I remember most about 92 was when was when Big Dave came over Winfield and how he brought the team together. The camaraderie was very mm-hmm. good, but, but Dave was a presence in the clubhouse. And what I mean by that, because he was DHing, a lot of times we would be in the we'd be in the field, and the, the pitchers, the guys who weren't playing, they'd be in, inside the clubhouse, kind of milling around and everything. It wouldn't be too many guys on the bench. But when Dave got there, it was like he would go in the clubhouse the first game, and he cleared the clubhouse out. And he made everybody get on the bench and said, hey, these guys are playing their butts off for you. When you're pitching, you get out there and root them on. And from that day forward, the tone was set that that he had a presence that we'd never had because we'd be in the field and they'd be in the clubhouse. So that was one of the biggest things, uh, the the contribution that he made just being who he is. It was unbelievable. Dave is one of the names, and there is a great list of names that will be on hand on Saturday. Pat Borders, uh, Dave Steve, Mike Timbaland, uh, Todd Stottlemyre, and the ass that he offered up to the Philly mayor to kiss uh, Devon White, <laughs> uh, Dwayne Ward, Cito Gaston. Uh, are you ex- like, how long has it been since you've seen these boys? And you're talking about Big Dave's impact on that team. Like, how long has it been since you've seen these guys? Well, uh, oh, man, it, you know, Dave, I have not seen him probably about uh, three or four years. I think we did uh, maybe a 15-year reunion or a, a 20-year reunion. You know, I, I keep forgetting. I can't remember now. It's been such a long time. So I have not seen him. I've talked to him a few times but haven't seen him. Todd's the same way. I've talked to him a couple of times. And, and if we talk to each other once or twice a year, that's pretty good. Um, but uh, the other guys, you know, because back and forth from Toronto, I see them, you know, Wardo, I see him a little bit, Devon White, we'll see him a little bit, Uh, but uh, yeah, it'd be good just to, you know, get back to the guys around that team, Pat Borders with his 25 kids, Uh, that's going to (laughs) be, that's going to be very exciting, so it's going to be a lot of fun just to see those guys once again. That's awesome, I I was kind of like reliving the 92 World Series earlier today, kind of doing a little research here, and all four Jays wins come by one run. One run. Yeah, yeah. crazy. Did, did you think that Otis Nixon was going to bunt? I mean, you scored yes. two. You did. You did. Yes, 
because me and Otis were roommates uh, when we both played for Cleveland. Right. Uh, so on the road, you know, we had to room together, and so they put, we call it the presidential suite, Carter <laughs> and Nixon. So nice. we roomed together. So I, you know, first of all, Tim, I was thinking, what the heck am I doing at first base right. in a big game like right. this? You know, Olerud should have been over there. But when Timlin came in and and I told Timlin, I said, be ready for the bunt because he will bunt. And when Timlin threw the first pitch for a strike and Otis couldn't catch up to it, I knew that he was going to be bun- bunting because I knew that was his game. And I told Mike to be ready, and, man, he – took his time, fiddled the ball just like he do, do every day in PFP, and tossed it to me. And, I mean, it seemed like forever for the ball to get to me. But he made a great play, and, I mean, you know, there I go again, jumping up and down like a kangaroo, <laughs> as my mom would say. <laughs> a lot of fun. <laughs> I understand why you're jumping up. I know you've been asked this before. I forget. What did you do with the ball? Well, I was very proud of myself because – Throughout the whole celebration, jumping in the pile, jumping on top of everybody, everybody jumping on me, I held onto that ball in my glove. And it stayed in my glove the whole time until we got through and Mike Timlin found me. And he looked at me. He says, where's the ball? I said, I got it right here. He said, come on, man. That's, that's, my, that's my first save. <laughs> I'm going like, uh, uh, okay. So I gave him the ball. So he has it enshrined in his house with, along with his uniform, his glove, his cleats, everything in the ball. Uh, so my good jester just opened it up for the next year uh, for what happened in 93 that we'll be celebrating next year, yes. the 30-year anniversary. Yes. <laughs> so you got good karma by giving the ball to, to Mike Timlin, yeah. and you got yourself a, a pretty special ball, too. I know you're in and around the area a lot. Just had the 13th annual Joe Carter Golf Classic, and one day Jesse and I will be big enough to get the invite. JoeCarterClassic.com <laughs> is where you can get info on it. But you ever get you get much chance to see the current Jays play? Oh, are you kidding me? Yes. No, I love the current Jays. I mean, I love that that eight run inning they had the other day in the third inning against the Red Sox, especially in 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 Boston. But uh, no, I watch them quite a bit, and I look I look for the highlights with uh, Bo Bichette and and Vlad and Tay Oscar. Uh, you know, no Chapman's done a great job. So no, I'm very aware of what they're doing, and I've been saying, you know, the whole season that this is the year that. It may be another flag flying north of the border because mm. I think they have that good a team, uh, and 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 how they came about last year losing, you know, by one game, not making the playoffs, and this year they know how important it is, and so, you know, hopefully, you know, us there, we can kind of kind of get some uh, excitement into them once again and let them realize that, hey, you guys have a chance to put another World Series trophy up here just like we did. Yeah, I, I remember uh, 92 well. Uh, Winfield asked for the noise, as you mentioned, right off the top. Those are like my prime years as a fan, 16, 17, 18 years old. And I was like, damn right, get these people off their ass. <laughs> but, it, but it feels like it's changed a little. And, and, and Dave probably has a huge part in that. But, like, the 2015 playoffs were yeah. unbelievable. Like, do you, does it feel like you guys kind of set a tone that has changed baseball in Canada? Because I think you might feel that on Saturday, Joe. Well, no, I, I feel that it went from a hockey town to a baseball town because you look at uh, what happened in 92 uh, by winning the World Series, and now all of a sudden you saw an influx of Canadians who are playing in Major League Baseball, and they look back and 
they say, hey, the 92 Jays uh, with Dave Winfield and, and Devon White and, and all those guys, Dwayne Ward, that's what propelled them to play more baseball. You know, they still played hockey, but they looked at baseball as an avenue. And so you started seeing more Canadians playing Major League Baseball, and that was great. You know, just like with the Raptors winning the, yeah. the, the championship, you see a lot more Canadians playing basketball. And Andrew Wiggins being a number one pick in the, in the draft. So, you know, we've had an influence on them as far as baseball is concerned. And it's great because, you know, everything in Canada, Toronto, it has been an awesome city. And it's good that we had an impact on that city uh, by winning those two world championships and letting the kids know that, you know, they can go out there and play baseball and make it to the big leagues and be successful. Without a doubt. Listen, it's always great catching up with you. I know you're going to be here uh, on the weekend. I know you got uh, a little club championship to deal with, too. So thank you for doing this, and uh, make sure you have some fun on Saturday. All right, will do, Tim. Looking forward to it. Be well. All right, bye-bye. Joe Carter, the man, the myth, the legend that is. He's got a great voice. Yeah, he did a lot of broadcasting, too, but I think he gave that up for the golf that he's playing. He's pretty good. What did you say he was, one or two handicapped? Yeah, we were talking to him uh, in the commercial break just before we came on, and he had just uh, got off the range, a little practice. Says he plays to a two handicap, uh, at which time I cussed at him. Yeah, I mean, if I was a two handicap, (laughs) I would probably try and make the live tour. You know, paid a little money. Yeah. <laughs> All right, time for a break. Arden Swelling is on the way from Fenway Park. Plus, Elliot Friedman caught up with Jake Markstrom at the NHL's European Media Tour in Paris. That's right. Frege in Paris. Sounds like a great movie. That conversation coming up next right here on Tim I think in 2022, we have to admit uh, when we are wrong. Uh, we have to give people the space to admit when they are wrong. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, we don't do it enough uh, and force people to dig in even when they're flat wrong. And so, Jesse, I say to you today on this August 24th, 2022, Mama Day, 824, I was wrong. Uh, wow. Mish wrote in on Twitter with simply fire sunglasses and a shot of the Riddler basically wearing the same suit that I am wearing right now, yeah. minus the tie. I mean, this is like bang on. Yeah, that looks, that looks good, that looks all sharp. I, all I need is gloves, a hat, and a cane. Yeah, there have been people writing in saying that. Uh, I got one too. And a little less than a boiler. I got one too, Vinny wrote, <laughs> a boiler. Uh, Vinny wrote in and said, uh, the Timler. Yeah, right. that's good. That's, I got you. That's some good work. Yeah. As per usual from our man, yeah. Vinny said. Yeah. Well done. So, so people, I, uh, people like the fit, it. man. People like the fit. They're, I, they're I admit I was wrong. I do look like the Riddler. All that right. is, this I'll is a very it. Riddler look. Yeah. Without a doubt. Okay, I will yeah. take it. Yeah. We have to give, give space for people to be wrong. Sure, yeah. Let them come back. That's why I'm accepting it. Yeah. Totally fine, yeah. yeah. Especially in 2022. Yeah, that's right, for sure. Especially you got in that bang on. Yeah. All right, uh, some news from the NHL today as the European Media Tour takes place. I don't know if you know this, Jesse. European, European Media Tour. Very specific. Uh, Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly saying that the NHL is going full steam ahead with plans for a 2024 World Cup of Hockey. The tournament will feature at least eight countries with games in both North America and Europe in February of 2024. Whether or not Russia would be included in that, eh. 
Last tournament happened, of course, in 2016. Meantime, Elliot Friedman, Jeff Merrick, they are over in Paris, must be nice, doing interviews for the 32 Thoughts podcast. And Friedge caught up with Flames goalie Jacob Markstrom earlier today. Let's have a listen. All right, Jacob, so sometimes you always wonder, do players know about moves that their teams are going to make? There was one you did know about. You knew about the possibility of Huberto before it was announced. Uh, yeah, well, Tree called me in the middle of the night, Swedish time, and, uh, you know, obviously with uh, the Tuchuk, uh didn't want to stay, and, uh, you know, things needed to happen very quick. I'm not sure how big of an impact uh, I had on it, uh, but, uh, you know, he called and asked, uh, you know, what kind of person Johnny Huberto is, and... Uh, uh, you know, I just say great guy and be a great uh, addition for our team. So, and then you know, and a few hours later, it was it was announced. But uh, yeah, that was obviously exciting for me to you know hear for for Tree, and then it's nice to to see you know the management and the uh, calling players that you know asking about players uh, uh, to see how if there's good guys or bad guys and how they fit into different scenarios and fit in the team and I think Huberto is going to be a great fit for us. Did, did any of you look over at like your watch or your phone and say like is this serious like it's the middle of the night am I dreaming this or nightmaring this or anything like that? Uh, yeah I mean the phone just kept going off and then uh, you know uh, uh, you know, obviously with the with the wedding there, I, I was up a little bit later than I usually am, but so so I, I wasn't in a deep sleep yet. All right, so that was Nicholas Backstrom's wedding, by the way, that you attended. Now, like, were you worried? You know, Goudreau goes and signs in in Columbus, and then the news comes that Kachuk won't stay long term. Were you worried at all about the team? Uh, I mean, thoughts go through your mind for sure, but I, I think. Really, really quick. Uh, uh, Tree really, you know, calmed everyone down and said, you know, we're we're not going to rebuild. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna be competitive and, you know, just, uh, you know, wait and see what we can add up. But you know, it's not just going to be lay down and, and see what's left over. You know, he really went out there and took what he wanted. And you know, I think uh, we got a great team on, on paper. And now we got to put it together on the ice. And that's, I think, the big question everybody has is the debate. So we've got Kachuk and Goudreau out, and you've got Uyghur, you've got Huberto and Kadri in. Are the Calgary Flames better? I believe so. You know, obviously I'm excited and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to to see what we can, uh, you know, show everyone and what we can put out, uh, uh, what kind of product we put up on the ice. But, you know, in, in my in my mind and in my head, I, I really believe that we're, we're going to be better this year. How do you feel? You had a great season last year. What are you thinking about for this year? Uh, better, always, you know, more and better. I, I want to play, I obviously played a lot of hockey games, uh, but, you know, I want to play more. And there's so many games looking back uh, uh, that should have went the other way that we should have won uh, that we didn't. So, you know, those kind of things, uh, you like to, you know, adjust them and uh, and fix them and, and work and just be in on a high level for, for, for a longer time and uh, dips to be a little shorter. Jacob, thanks very much. Look forward to seeing you in a couple months. Yeah, thanks for having me. You've heard of Emily in Paris. I present uh, Elliot yeah. in Paris. There you go. And then just go, go over to get a uh, French onion soup, maybe a little uh, croissant. Oh, my God. What? That's like what? so stereotypical French. That's like saying Canada poutine. Like there's so many things that you could eat in France. Like a... Like a Baguette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good yeah. laugh. That's, that's a good. That's a very genuine yeah, there laugh. There you go. Yeah. Oh, qu'est-ce qui se passe ici, eh, Sebastian? 
What would you eat, Sebi? What are you looking for? Anything America? that, like... Escargots. Escargot. How is that any better? <laughs> uh, that's a little less. There's, I mean, listen, along the coast, great fish. Like, come on, man. There's so many things to eat in France. It this, is, it is, I don't know, like the greatest culinary city in the world. I honestly think the first thing I would do when I'd get off the plane get the France, croissant. I'd get a croissant. <laughs> I think that's the first thing you got to do. Am I wrong? Come Fresh. On, I'm, Come I'm assuming on, it's better man. there than it is here. You can no? get a croissant anywhere. Yeah, but there's like multiple meals in it. You don't have to just eat once in a day. You have the croissant, then you have move you on to Paris? later and have a fish or have something. You been to Paris? A nice fish. Have a fish. No, have a night. Let me go have a fish. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to take Jesse to Paris. Maybe we can wheel been. what Merrick and Elliot just did by getting to Paris. Yeah. And you and I can go out and eat in Paris. Have a fish. Yeah, we'll have we'll, we'll have a croissant and a fish. <laughs> All right. Um, listen, I love the fact that Jacob Markstrom just said <laughs> that he wants his season to be better and he was the runner-up yeah. for the Vesna Trophy last year. Calgary fans have to feel better about that, but man, what a crazy offseason for the, the Calgary Flames. Yeah. What are the crazier uh, that we've seen in, in a little while, for sure. So why don't we check out the odds uh, powered by Bet Rivers? It's a whole new game. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. I'm going to have a hard time getting through this one, honestly. Uh, nobody has had more of a roller coaster this offseason, obviously, as you just talked about than the Calgary Flames and we thought it would be interesting to examine their odds uh, how they've moved around during the ups and downs this summer the day after the cup final the Flames were plus 2,000 to win it all in 2023 right. they moved slightly following Johnny Hockey's exodus to Columbus Uberdo's arrival and contract extension that followed they moved down to plus 1,800 the day after the Nazem Kadri signing and they currently sit at plus 1,600 mm. to win the Stanley Cup tied with the Oilers for the second best odds for a Canadian team Behind beliefs, the dumb money of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, that's all it is, right? Yeah, you know, like, it's, I, that is Bet Rivers putting the odds because they know that there are people in Toronto and there are fans of the Maple Leafs who will always bet on the Toronto Maple Leafs. We're going to have this conversation in the days and weeks ahead, but the Leafs are not better than last year. Not unless one of those goalies stands on his head. Yeah, and, which is a lot to ask. Uh, think. Huge ask. All right, time for a break. When we come back, it is off to Fenway Park. As the I mean, listen, if they'll offer us odds on who finishes first in Canada or who lasts longest in Canada, maybe we make some money off of yeah. that dumb money. All right, Jay's trying to keep their dominance going against the Red Sox. Arden Zwelling, we'll talk about Jose Barrios and more next right here. Tim and Friends, game day starts here. Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. A fish? I'm making dinner plans right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sheepdogs, back here. Hour number two on Tim and Friends Full Hour. Sportsnet 360, which includes Adam Stanley live from the course in Ottawa ahead of the CP Women's Open, which gets underway tomorrow. Just a half an hour to go on Sportsnet. Ahead of Blue Jays Central, Arden Zwelling live from Fenway Park and not the hotel with the bad Wi-Fi in just moments from now. Jays won line three last night, or nine three in English, and are now eleven and three against the Red Sox this season. However, uh, they have won the last four by a combined forty-nine to thirteen 
as mentioned, Blue Jay Central, Jamie and Joe comes your way. 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific. Jose Barria starts for the Jays. It was great last time out at Yankee Stadium, but of course, overall road numbers haven't been all that good all season long. Brian Bello will counter for the Red Sox. He has an ERA over eight. High prospect, but ERA over eight this season. Gave up five earned runs in just four innings against the Jays back in July. He, he is the lineup that will face Bayo. He is Dominicana, and I read it like I was a like I was a white guy from Canada. Uh, here is the lineup to face Bayo. George Springer back atop the order, still at DH, followed by Vladdy Jr., Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Alejandro Kirk catches Barrios. Teoscar Bow and Chapman. 5-6-7 with Merrifield will play second back. Eight, Jackie Bradley Jr. back in center for a second straight start at Fenway Park. Here's John Schneider on the Jays' recent tear, and I need to have some water or something. You know, when you go through a rough part of the season and everyone goes through at least one, um, usually a couple, it's just, uh, you know, you allow the game to come to you as opposed to trying to do too much. And I feel like that's kind of where we are right now. And it always helps when you get a good effort on the on the mound from the starter. That kind of lets everything fall into place a little bit. But, uh, yeah, winning does make everything feel better at this level. And uh, we're hoping to keep rolling. All right, let's get you some highlights, kids, at least uh, those that pertain to the Toronto Blue Jays. Nationals at Mariners. Rookie George Kirby, 3-0 with a 3-12 ERA in his last three starts. Former Mariner, though, Nelson Cruz singles up the middle. Washington leads 1-0. Top three, Kirby catches Victor Robles looking at strike three, not Robles. That's how the white dude from Canada would say it, but Robles. Uh, he starts the game with an MLB record. 24 consecutive strikes. Top five, two on. Cesar Hernandez, hard grounder. Eugenio Suarez, great play, saves a run for Seattle, and we are still 1-0 into the bottom of the sixth inning. I believe he has now thrown a ball. All right, time to get back to Fenway Park and get back to the story that surrounds the Jays and the Red Sox going into game two of the three games that you can see in less than an hour from now right here on Sportsnet. Arden Zwelling joins us from Fenway Park and not the hotel room where we have to uh, bank on the spotty Wi-Fi. How are you Arden? I'm good. Yeah, somebody was downloading some uh, some stuff that I don't even want to know what was on that hard drive <laughs> <laughs> at that point. But uh, yeah, brought down the whole good ship apparatus that I had set up there. So good to be here with you guys. Uh, awesome to have you as well. I mean, what do you say about the bats? Do you blame it on Boston? Like, where do we go on what the Jays have been able to do at Fenway Park this year? Uh, yeah, stuff like that is coincidental to me when a team is playing really well in one particular stadium or against one particular team. Like, I don't really believe in that magic, but I do think that the Blue Jays starting pitching of late over the last six uh, six games has been spectacular, and that is why they're winning a lot more now than they were a week ago. And honestly, the plate appearances in last night's game as well were really just impressive from a process standpoint. You look at that third inning, stringing together eight runs with two outs, no Blue 
Blue Jay hitter tried to do too much. No Blue Jay hitter came out of their approach, chased a pitch off the plate, tried to play hero baseball and hit a five run home run. They just took pitchers pitches, waited for something that they could drive. They didn't get it. They took a walk. They're happy to pass the baton to the next guy and really just stuck with a very discerning and disciplined approach. I think that's why they had that inning. And then, you know, it helps you're facing a guy like Josh Winkowski, who isn't right. exactly Max Scherzer. But how often have you seen the guy with like the five and a half ERA mystify this lineup? So I thought that that was a really good and encouraging step for the Blue Jays to show that process and that approach yesterday against the Red Sox. Yeah, that's the magic I believe in, though. When a guy is not that good, you usually beat him. And the Jays, to their credit, listen, the record against teams against above 500 isn't all that good, but they've been able to take care of business against teams like the Red Sox. Yeah, they've got to beat somebody. So they might as well <laughs> beat those teams. You know, the teams around the Blue Jays in this wild card race aren't exactly losing and aren't exactly falling off. The Mariners have been playing well. The Rays are playing well. So if the Blue Jays can kind of knock the Red Sox out of this thing, put them into the realm of like the White Sox down in that lower tier of the American League wild card race, I think that would be really helpful just to narrow the field so the Blue Jays can focus on performing better than the Guardians, than the Rays, than the Twins, than the Mariners. All right, give me the latest on George Springer and what we can expect to see because I said to Jesse early it, when he's back and healthy I am going to be excited I just don't know when he's going to be healthy yeah nobody does yeah. right and with George Springer it's a day-to-day -day thing he comes out he tests things with the trainers today it was throwing because obviously he's been in the lineup so he's good enough to hit and he looks like himself at the plate and this batting order really looks different when George Springer is yeah. atop it, doesn't it? But yeah. if the Blue Jays could get him to a place where he can play in the field, that would be really crucial for just opening up that DH spot, right? Because right now, it really does lock up this lineup. You don't get as much playing time for Alejandro Kirk. You can't get other players off their feet. If you want to open up that DH spot, George Springer has to sit. And there's going to come a point in time this season, I don't know if it's September 15th, it's somewhere right around that middle of September, when George Springer can't sit anymore where the Blue Jays need him playing every single night because they are in a really tight race to lock up that first wild card spot and going into the postseason. So at that point, if George Springer is able to play some outfield, it would really help the Blue Jays with their lineup construction and with their matchups and, and how they're able to strategize. So today some throwing was done and George Springer is going to see how it feels. John Schneider said they're optimistic, you know, that it could be a possibility George Springer plays the outfield in the coming days. But as has been the case with him for days, for weeks, for months for years we'll see very well put all right speaking of that roster construction a uh, quick one for you here obviously when George Springer is your DH uh, you lose a couple of spots hi Arash Madani tell him you're live on air and to leave you alone uh, <laughs> I think he knew yeah I think he knew me as well um, <laughs> so that roster construction has left Santiago Espinal out more often than he's been in it's been with Merrifield and it has been uh, of course Kevin Biggio is that hard done by or is that play better? Oh, that's maybe a little bit of both. I was going to say hard done by, but honestly, Santiago Espinal hasn't been the same guy in the second half that he was in the first half, right? And he, he has really slowed down a little bit. So I think it's the Blue Jays just having options, right? Yeah. I think it's having Kevin Biggio available as that lefty in that spot. Obviously, he can move around the diamond. It's having a vet like Whit Merrifield. He's had a bit of a strange start to his Blue Jays career. A lot more strikeouts than I expected we would see 
from him. I mean, he has a really well-earned reputation as a contact hitter and a guy who puts the ball in play. It's just been kind of interesting to see him swing and miss a little bit. He might have fallen into a little bit of the pressing that we saw from the Blue Jays yeah. and that we heard them even talk about, you know, just taking a, just trying to do a little too much at the plate. So maybe he kind of fell into that trap a little bit. And now that other Blue Jays hitters seem to be coming out of it, Whit Merrifield can join them as well. But yeah, I think it's just John Schneider having a lot more options and liking to really move guys around. Well said. Uh, you say Kikuchi, I say holy shnikes. Uh, what do they do with Yusei? That's a great question because yesterday Yusei Kikuchi got two outs on 28 pitches. Reese McGuire got three on seven. Reese McGuire is a catcher. <laughs> uh, I don't know what you do with, with Yusei Kikuchi. Like, if you can't use him in last night's game, what game can you? use them in really right like yeah. it's obviously not going to be one of any leverage and one that's meaningful at all you can't let him near any kind of a slim lead so it would have to be looking for another spot where I guess you have more than a seven or eight run lead maybe you're looking for a spot where you're getting blown out yourself um, look if he's in this bullpen and he's on this roster you have to use him otherwise you're just misusing the roster spot otherwise you're just carrying dead weight so you need to have him out on the mound and really he needs to be on the mound to sort through this stuff and to continue making the adjustments and the tweaks that he's making but you just look at the runway between now to the end of the season how important these games are going to be for the Blue Jays how tight baseball gets in September it's hard to envision some of those spots when the Blue Jays would want to use you say Kikuchi so you really are just looking for the massive epic blowout in either way to use him and you're trying to get to the point where rosters expand um, without having to use them in a leverage spot so that you can bring up somebody that you trust more. Uh, speaking of tweaks, what are we looking for from Jose Barrios tonight? You know what? You're looking for his hands, and his hands are going to be up. That happened in his last outing. He moved his hands up. They used to be down at his hips in his delivery, and now he starts with them kind of closer to his chin and his neck area. And the Blue Jays say that is just to sort of create some efficiencies in his delivery to eliminate some movement, just to give him less um, movements. I don't want to say that word again, but less actions. There's a good one. Less actions between sort of you know manipulating the ball in his glove and getting to his release point. Finding the release point as been just an issue for Jose Barrios all season so that's sort of the company line my theory I think hitters could see what pitch he was throwing and I think with where his glove was before that hitters were picking up whether it was going to be a breaking ball or a heater and that is why you saw those weird outings where you're like wow Jose Brios' stuff is moving really well and he's not getting swings on it he's not getting whiffs like he usually does so I think that this way with the hands up he's keeping his hand in the glove just a bit longer not giving hitters a view of his grip and what he might be throwing I think the Blue Jays feel that might iron out any potential tipping that might be going on. Now before I let you go, I mean, I, I, I almost feel for Red Sox. I almost feel for Red Sox fans no, at this don't. point. Uh, Jackie right. Badley Jr. comes in, does what he does to them. Uh, June Lee on Twitter saying uh, Mount Rushmore of Red Sox shortstops, Nomars, Xander Bogarts, Bogarts, Joe Conan, Johnny Pesky, squints, pulls up magnifying glass, Bobby Dalback. Like, is this the white flag on the season for Alex Cora and the Red Sox? 
The Red Sox are in a bad way. It's yeah. not looking good for them. Even look at some of the plate appearances last night, and the Red Sox did not look really focused, and the Red Sox did not look like they were really battling in that game. So, hey, look, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of this series plays out because the Blue Jays could really just submarine the Red Sox here if they, they win two more and, and sweep this club, and they could really sort of extinguish all hope of the Red Sox being, uh, you know, faint players in this wildcard race. But, uh, look, it, it's baseball, right? Like, remember when the Yankees were reeling and they were looking at, oh, you got to face Alex Manoa or Alec Manoa and Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom. What are the Yankees going to do? They won all three of those games. Yeah. And yeah, DeGrom didn't pitch, but they beat Manoa and they beat Scherzer and then they beat the Mets again. So it's baseball. You can't predict it. Even, you know, the other, what, what did we see the other day when it was Garrett Cole versus Mitch White? Yeah. And like, you know, Garrett Cole hadn't given up a hit through four. Mitch White was out of the game and the Blue Jays won that game. Yeah. So I, I, I don't try to, you know, get ahead of myself with baseball. Crazy things happen. Uh, next time Arash Medani pulls that, uh, uh, a firm left elbow well-placed. Oh, yeah. That's... Suit might be a little tight for that, but <laughs> yeah. we'll see. Yeah, understood. But you need the schmedium to look good at Fenway <laughs> Park. Thanks, Arden. Great catching up you, with you. Thank you. Be well, fellas. You too. Uh, there is Arden Zwelling. Fenway Park, another great ballpark just to go to. Yeah, I've only been there in the winter. I've never been. Really? Yeah. But yeah. you want you you want to get out to all the. I, you were telling know, me that, right? You want to get to all the stadiums. Yeah, I, I I've gone to more minor league parks than I've gone to major league parks, right. which is crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. Uh, Jays on the road, Pittsburgh. That's not a bad roadie. Yeah, I've heard great things about. Yeah. PNC Park. Yeah. Is that I, could, it? I could do that. Wow. I PNC. could do that. Yeah. PNC would be pretty cool. Uh, this Saturday, Rogers Center is going to be jam packed. Very cool yeah. as well. We'll see if the Jays get there uh, on a winning streak. Starts tonight again as the Jays are coming our way in mere moments now. From now, back about 16 minutes. Tell Blue Jay Central on Sportsnet. On the other side, there is history in Pittsburgh today. We'll explain as we get you more afternoon highlights. And O'Neill Cruz, still trying to figure out if he's good. He's got a lot of talent, but is he good? All right, friends, let's get you some highlights from afternoon baseball for your delight. AL Central leading Guardians in San Diego, which in Spanish, of course, means St. Diego. Uh, starts in a hurry. Jose Ramirez, 24. Solo bomb, one nothing Cleveland, top of the fourth. Ramirez again. 99 problems, but a pitch ain't one. What the hell? That's two and two at bats, and it's a 2 nothing Guardians lead. Next batter, Oscar Gonzalez. Back to back big flies. It did stay fair. Three nothing. Cleveland leads at same inning. Now four nothing. Bases loaded. Stephen Kwan. I like this guy. Mm. A little check swing. Cash is two more runs. Six nothing. Guardians now seven nothing. Three up on the Twins. About to go three and a half. And there are some French fries, Jesse. A delicacy in France, of course, <laughs> where you can also get a fish. Bottom of the third, check this out from O'Neill Cruz, Braves and Pirates, dear God. Whacks it to right field, that is going to hit hard off the wall, look at that. Bounce right back to Acuna who barehands it off the wall in a split second, 122.4 miles an hour. Wow. That is a missile. 
122. It's the highest exit velocity in the stat cast era, Jesse. Well, it didn't stick in the wall, so now we know that the minor league wall was softer. <laughs> yes. Top four now, 2 nothing Braves, two on, two out. Robbie Grossman grounded a first, uh, but they are the Pirates for a reason. Run scores on the air, extends the inning, two batters later, bases loaded, and Dansby Swanson. Double clears the bases. Five unearned runs, seven nothing. Atlanta top eight now, nine nothing. Matt Olson shows up with my favorite Muppet, and now Jesse knows who that is. It is. I do. Gonzo, come on! How many times do I have to say it? It went into the Allegheny River. Now there's PNC Park for you. I did know that. Atlanta sweeps the season series with Pittsburgh. They went at 14 2 Israel final. Uh, Giants and Tigers, oh my, bottom of the second, we start with Willie Castro. Ground to the first, Wilmer Flores makes the play, but look at this. Yeah, you got to cut that off. I'm telling you, I'm running down first base, I just run them over. I'm sorry, you made the wrong play. Bottom of the fourth, Victor Reyes, grounder, Brandon Crawford. No, you hurt yourself by being nice to the guy. Crawford's a great player. Think of it that way. Well, think about it, Jesse. Stop calling me a tough guy. It's the right play. Bases loaded. Crawford told you he was a good player. Tip me there. there. Two nothing for the Tigers after that. Later in the inning, now four nothing. Castro down the line scores two more. Look at this. The Tigers beating the Giants. Oh my! It is six one, and that, my friends, is your final at this juncture in time. So as, as we look through Major League Baseball, obviously mm. there are races, and then there is what is happening in the AL Central and with the Toronto Blue Jays and that wild card. And it looks as though, looks as though right now, Cleveland is spacing and the Twins and the White Sox, who we thought probably going into the year were the class of the division, fallen off a little bit here. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing what can happen over the course of a week, two weeks, over 162 game season, right? Because yeah. the Twins and White Sox were right there just a week and a half ago, and now it looks like they're falling off the pace, and you know, you're going to have to get red hot to get back into it with less than 40 games left. Agreed. Uh, the O'Neill Cruise, 122 miles per hour. That's a record. It's that cast 122.4 yeah. miles per hour off the bat. Like, you can't even... When I first saw it, I didn't even realize what happened. It went high off the wall and bounced back to an outfielder that didn't move. Yeah, it brings me back to the, is that a video board with the highway sign there? Is that a video board or is that just a wall that it they built? It seems like there's glass there that people yeah. stand underneath. Right. And then there's, I don't know if it's a video board on top, but here, here are Look the hardest this. hit balls. In the StatCast era. I'm surprised Vladdy's not there, but uh, I think that uh, the return of Giancarlo Stanton tomorrow will help the Yankees. Helpful. <laughs> I mean, the craziest thing is the 122.2 was a ground into a double play. Yeah. I get the double play part of it because it takes, you know, it's so quick to make the turn after yeah. balls hit that hard, but to stand in front of that ball, oh, who I'll stood be, in front of that ball? That's, that's why I play the outfield. Good for them. Oh yeah, yeah. You afraid of the hot corner? Oh no, I took a, I took a when I was like, a, I don't know, like nine or ten. Mm -hmm. I took a good shot to the face and said I'd like to play the outfield. Yeah, I had a bad hop and bam, and I was like, I want to play the outfield. Well, I mean, you make your living 
with the, the face, right? I, I don't know if you know this, but I, I wasn't really hired here for my looks. <laughs> well, you, you catch a 122.4 off the dome, you're going to look a little rough for a few weeks. I can yeah. tell you that. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I don't know if you'll see that in your men's league, but I know no, you're giant. Definitely with. not. No. Uh, okay, let's get to the San Diego Padres story. I know we haven't touched much on Fernando Tatis. You were off when that story really broke, but he spoke publicly yesterday for the first time since he was suspended for 80 games after testing positive. For an anabolic steroid, Tatis has not played this season because of a broken wrist he suffered in an off-season motorcycle accident, which he didn't report until he arrived at spring training. Not good. Tatis apologized to fans, his teammates, and the organization and vowed to make amends. I'm really sorry um, for my mistakes. Um, I've seen how my dream, my dreams have turned into my worst nightmares. A couple days, a couple months. Uh, but there's no other, other one to blame than myself. Are you satisfied with what he had to say there? I mean, what else are you going to say? What else are you going to say? Yeah. And, and sure, look remorseful, but I'm going to tell you right now, Fernando Tatis needs to grow up. And that's being accountable, but being accountable also means don't bleep up. And let me tell you, if I paid him $340 million guaranteed over 14 years, I would be pissed mm -hmm. that he hasn't played a game this year because he was farting around on a motorcycle and hurt his wrist and just got popped for juice. Like, I... I immediately came to some sort of conclusion. It was almost like an epiphany. If they really want to stop guys from juicing, from getting popped for things like this, make it so that you could nullify their contract Interesting. if they got popped for juice and you'd have a completely different... Now, in this case, San Diego would not nullify the contract. They still know that the kid is going to be good and he's going to be good for a long time. But it got me thinking, like, imagine signing a guy to, to a $340 million contract that has to be guaranteed. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't play a game because he's farting around on a motorcycle and then gets popped for juice. Like, there should be some sort of retribution. Like, that you nullify that year of the deal. I mean, I know they lose the money, but... Imagine you could nullify a contract, like get out from a contract if you got popped for juice. Every guy that sucked would not go near a juice. Is it not possible to put a, a clause in that of some sort? Like, a, is there no... Is there I mean, you don't get paid for suspensions. Right. But that's not enough. No. Obviously. It's very... It's an interesting point. Um, I go to the NFL a lot of times when, in situations like this because they don't Why? have the guaranteed contracts unless you agree to have a guaranteed contract, right. right? And they could just cut you outright and they don't have to pay you anymore. So I wonder if that's something that other leagues can look at. But they'll never the NFL get get, gets ripped for that. No, they'll like, never get it. The PA would never agree to non-guaranteed right. contracts because you can treat people like a piece of meat, right. which is what the NFL does. This has gone sideways very quickly for the San Diego Padres. Obviously, it began with the motorcycle accident and now with the, the ringworm. I take it you don't believe that he took what he took for ringworm. No. Does anyone? No. No. But this is part of the risk that you take when you give a 23-year-old almost $500 million. Like, un this is unfortunately the part of the business. He's still 100 and 160 away from that 500 million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is what you do. Like, and No, but, but, like, there's you enter into a contract with that person, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they gave him a wonderfully lucrative contract. And we've seen this before. 
I mean, Alexander Ovechkin, when he first got his big money deal, he disappeared for what, like two years? Yeah. Right? Like he had the 30 goal years for him that's disappearing because we all know what he's capable of mm-hmm. even now at, at an elder age. Like this happens all the time where guys get paid big money and they celebrate the big money by doing things that they normally wouldn't do. But like if you're the PA, I'm on the, I'm on the horn to Tatis and saying like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. This is, you can't do this because now other guys aren't going to get these deals because you're bang on. It's going to cause every owner every other team to think about this and say do we really want to walk down a road where we're stuck like this and and my thing is i hate juice i hate performance enhancers i think it's ridiculous and you put kids in a spot at a really young age where if they want to compete at a high level in a sport they have to start thinking about these things and i think it's disgusting that people even suggest that we should just allow them to do it Mm -hmm. if you want to actually stop it be able to nullify a deal after a guy gets popped. Yeah, but if he was free to be signed by somebody else, someone would just scoop him up the next day, right? No, but I, him, yes. Other guys? No. Maybe not. Yeah. All right, time to send it to Blue Jays Central on Sportsnet. Jamie Campbell, Joe Siddle, they're standing by. Game day starts, Tim and Friends, but it also continues during Blue Jays Central. As we'll go to Sportsnet 360, Adam Stanley joins us from the CP Women's Open. And the PGA's latest move to combat live will be talked about it. 60 seconds on Sportsnet 360. Welcome back, friends and foes alike. It is the eve of the CP Women's Open as the tournament gets underway tomorrow morning at the Ottawa Hunt and Golf Club. Brooke Henderson is in the crowd and the betting favorite. Well, 12-year-old Lucy Lynn of Vancouver is the youngest player ever to qualify for the tournament and Canadian Golf Hall of Famer Lori Kane will play in her National Open for the 30th time and apparently final after video bombing Adam Stanley and our friend Brooke Henderson. Kane was asked about passing the torch to a younger generation. You know we have a great group of young women who are making their way. Um, I've heard a lot said about me a passing of a torch. There's no torch. Um, I think every woman that has played golf in this country has flown the flag as high as they can to make it better. If uh, the Brooke Hendersons of the world are, you know, learned anything from me, um, yeah, it's humbling and it, I'm proud if, if they feel like uh, I've helped them along the way because that's just how I am. Uh, Lori Kane an awesome ambassador for the game and this country and I would take her as the captain of my team at any time Mm -hmm. in any way and part of the reason why I would take her for the captain of my team is what she did when Brooke Henderson was talking to our next guest Adam Stanley who joins me now from Ottawa what's going on Adam and did you know that Lori Kane yesterday in your one-on-one with Brooke Henderson was doing a little photo bomb near the end I was trying to pay attention to the fifth-ranked golfer on the planet, but I did see Lori out the side of my uh, my eye, uh, putting her arms up, getting very excited. So it's an exciting week for Brooke Henderson, an exciting week for Lori Kane as well. A lot of emotion in that press conference earlier from her. Yeah, t- talk a little bit about that, and we'll get into Brooke Henderson, we'll get into Lucy Lynn, we'll get into all the stories surrounding this tournament. But for me, as a little bit of an old-school dude here, um, it was nice to see Lori Kane in that spot and taking those questions. Tell me a little bit about the emotion in the news conference. 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, Lori Kane is, is a legend. There's no other way to put it. She's a four-time LPGA Tour winner. She's got the Order of Canada. She's in Canada's Sports Hall of Fame. She's in the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. And she's just such an icon and a great ambassador for the game. Unfortunately, her father, the person who got her into the game, passed away about a month ago or so. So she's playing with a heavy heart this week. Of course, it's also her final CP Women's Open after teeing it up in her national championship 30 times. So uh, there's a lot of things going on for Lori Kane uh, mentally. Physically, she feels great and she looks great for 57, yeah. which is pretty impressive that she's still out here teeing it up. But there was, you know, just a lot of emotion, like I said, between her father's passing, this being her final event. But she's excited. She's excited for this ne next chapter and it really starts this week. Yeah, so much better than me at 47 is Lori Kane at 57. Uh, all right, let's talk about the Young Bucks, and we'll start with uh, Brooke Henderson, uh, fifth-ranked golfer, as you mentioned, in the world. And uh, some history on this course that would suggest that if she can handle the pressure, Adam, she might be in the hunt at the hunt. Very nicely said. Uh, she's you can steal that on the weekend. In the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try. She uh, has not finished outside the top 16 on the LPGA Tour in about two and a half, maybe three months. She won a major, won the Evian a couple weeks ago. She won another event on the LPGA Tour, uh, actually Sunday of the RBC Canadian Open. She won a tournament as well. Uh, in 2017, she needed a birdie just to make the cut here on number nine at the Hunt Club. Did just that. Ended up shooting a 63 on uh, Saturday's third round, which is a course record which still stands. So between the fact that Brooke Henderson is playing really, really good golf right now and 99.99% of the people out here, record-breaking crowds so far this week, all want her to win, it's going to be a, an impressive effort by Brooke Henderson if she can just find the balance. I think that's going right. to be key for her. Everybody wants her to win. Everyone wants her to have success. Uh, there's been a lot of demands on her time, uh, certainly much more than when she was here last as an 18- or 19-year-old. But if she can handle that, if she can get inside the ropes on that first tee on Thursday and realize I got a job to do here, but I've been doing this job very well the last couple months. I think it's going to be a great week for Brooke Henderson. Okay, let's set this scene a little bit for the folks across Canada who, who may not know Smith Falls is about an hour away from Ottawa. This is like a hometown course or as close as you can get to a hometown course uh, on the LPGA Tour. We already saw the pictures of the of the Brooks Brigade. Like this is going to be, yep. <laughs> I think, I think Brooke said herself, this is the closest I'm going to ever feel to Tiger Woods. Like, she, this is going to be a crazy scene, is it not? It was already a crazy scene here today on Wednesday's Pro-Am. I mean, Wednesday Pro-Ams on the LPGA Tour just don't get the kind of crowds like what we saw today. Some of this is carryover, certainly, from the RBC Canadian Open. Canada right. has been golf-starved over the last couple of years because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And the fact that the CP Women's Open is making its return in Ottawa, about 50 minutes from Smith Falls. You know, the town's got only about 60,000, or 6,000 people, excuse me, 6,000 people, one Main Street, one or two Tim Hortons. It's a whole lot of nothing. But you know what? It's the home of Brooke and Brittany Henderson. It says right there on the sign heading into town, which is pretty unique. So they've got busloads of people coming from Smith Falls uh, so far this week and certainly over the next couple days as well. So if I can put into a word how, uh, how buzzy it was here today, it was electric and it was only Wednesday. That's awesome. Um, how will a 12-year-old qualifier handle that buzzy crowd on Thursday? Because this is a great story, that of Lucy Lynn. 
Lucy Lin, 12 years old from Vancouver, is going to be the youngest person to ever tee it up in this tournament come Thursday's first round. I got to hand it to Lucy Lin. Firstly, her action, her swing is, is awesome. She, she is an amazing golfer. She only picked up the game three years ago, and she's kind of a virtuoso. She does everything well. She plays the piano at a crazy level. She's basically a straight-A student. Uh, she's just a very, very impressive young lady. And she did a media scrum yesterday as well with about 10 or 12 different media. So that was pretty cool, certainly for us and maybe for her, but we'll have to see. I think the jury's still out. So will Lucy, Lu, or will Lucy Lin have a chance to uh, maybe make the cut this week? No. Will she have a heck of an experience uh, and certainly meet all of her idols? Absolutely. The cool thing about the Monday qualifiers, of which Lucy Lin was one of them, uh, if you add up all their ages, you get to 56. Lori Kane is 57. So certainly a new generation of golfers here in this country. That, that is unbelievable. Um, I know that there's a long list of Canadians on uh, on the on the start card here. Do any of them have a, sh a shot outside of Brooke Henderson? It's a good question, and and honestly, I don't think that they do. Motomi LeBlanc is the only other full-time LPGA Tour member from Canada. Now, Motomi uh, re actually retired in 2019. Yeah. She came back late in 2020, and, and now she's returned as a full-fledged LPGA Tour member. Three top 10 finishes so far this season. So has had a fairly solid return to the LPGA Tour, but winning on the tour, especially when there's 18 of the top 20 in the world teeing up this week, plus 82 of the top 100, is going to be a pretty tall order. So there are 18 Canadians in the field uh, from 57-year-old Laurie Kane to 12-year-old Lucy Lynn and Brooke Henderson, number five in the world. But it's really Brooke's week, and we're all kind of living in it right now. All right, before I let you go, I, I can't uh, not bring up the PGA Tour and the response from PGA Tour Commissioner uh, Jay Monahan earlier today. I kind of, I, I kind of went off on a, on a little bit of a, a hot take, and suggested that maybe Phil was right in the end, and that is saying a lot. That Phil Mickelson, when all of this started to break down, and he put his foot right in his mouth, among other places, that one of the things he said was the PGA Tour is not treating its players right. Was today proof? that the PGA Tour had much more to give to its players? Yeah, somehow, some way, Phil, Mik Phil Mickelson has become both the villain and the hero in this situation, yeah. depending on how you look at it. Because, yes, he was right. The PGA Tour has entirely changed its business model to try to drive more viewership, more eyeballs, and get the best players in the world to play against the best players in the world more often. And I think that's the big takeaway. Without getting into the specifics of today's announcement and everything that Jay Monahan said, mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is, starting next year, the top players in the world are are all going to be playing against each other more often on the PGA Tour for more money. And if that's what Phil Mickelson wanted, then we've gone certainly a very roundabout way of getting there, but that's where we've gotten. Now, the Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods announcement, the, yeah. the Monday after kind of doing that, uh, the effort kind of in stadium, that has been something that has been two years in the making. It just so happened to come out at this time as well during the live announcement. So uh, was this reactionary somewhat? Was this also a long time coming? All so true so the best of the best they're going to play against each other more often um and yeah you're right phil mickelson at the end of the day he was probably correct here kind of sort of right as hard as it is for me to admit uh last kind of sort of yeah yeah La last one for you and and i concluded this by saying i don't know if the pga tour will ever be the same and i said that because 
There are guys in contract with Liv that I don't know that they can get out of. I know you're trying to keep the next generation in the PGA Tour, but this heaps a whole hell of a lot of pressure on Jay Monahan. Do you think that we've just seen in the last year kind of the beginning of a much different golf landscape moving forward? Yeah, I would say that that's accurate. I mean, Jay Monahan said today that if any of the live golfers look at what the PGA Tour is about to do next year and says, hey, that's pretty cool. I want to do that. Uh, Jay Monahan is like, no, you're not allowed. You, you've made your bed. Now you lay in it. So that's an interesting thing as well. If maybe there's some guys who are on the fence about moving to live, but now they're seeing what the PGA Tour is about to do and they want to be involved right. in that instead. So con conceptually, when you think about the PGA Tour as a major sports league, it's hard to wrap your head around the NHL or the NBA or Major League Baseball having some big uprising like what we've seen right. in men's professional golf over the last three to six months so a hundred percent this is changing the landscape um, I think for the better from a PGA Tour perspective but it does remain to be seen about those other events there hasn't really been much uh, announcements about the events that aren't getting into that elevated status yeah. so we yep. will see what happens like the there but, Open. Uh, the best on best more often exactly but the best on best more often uh, is a good thing for the game by the way and, and screw the PGA Tour for walking all over our national championship and the L PGA. I'll say it. You don't have to say it because I know you got to make a living in golf. But I appreciate <laughs> you nonetheless. Thanks, guys. No, this is great. Should be a great week here. Uh, there is Adam Stanley. He will have coverage all weekend long from Ottawa right here on Sportsnet. Uh, we have a giveaway again as part of our uh, nice. partnership with Golf Town. Um, $200 gift card from Golf Town. You use TF Predict, hashtag TF Predict, like you have been every time we've been giving away a gift card. You correctly pick the winner of the CP Women's Open, and the tiebreaker is the final score to par. We already have a bunch of responses coming in. Uh, a lot of people are going to pick Brooke, I'm assuming, because she is the odds on favorite, but a lot of pressure. Like, I don't know how many golfers and many people would uh, be able to act and play under those circumstances because everyone's going to be following her. Right. Everyone expects her to win, which is a crazy thing in a golf tournament when you're going up against so many different golfers. Yeah, Tiger Woods, uh, welcome to his life. Yeah. But yeah. And by the way, uh, just to be clear, uh, if there's a tie on our tie breaker, because that's entirely possible, we're just going to pick one from random, okay? Yes. So don't write in. Yes. Yeah, we, no, it is the stipulation all the time. Uh, we're just going to take one from random because every once in a while someone writes in and acts like they've been mistreated when they didn't win. But they like the giveaways nonetheless. Of course, get in. Hashtag TF Predict right here on Tim and Friends. We'll take the final break of the show and we will get to Last Call with Jesse Rubinoff by wrapping things up. Let's go with Last Call. It's time now for Last Call, and whenever we get here, we hand the reins to Jesse Rubinoff. And Jesse, uh, I got a feeling that our first topic may derail us a little bit. Nice. All right, let's see if it does. Uh, Do you know what it is? No. <laughs> <laughs> but you're talking to me about it. Okay, so let's, let's find out. Have you seen the videos of the giant slide in Detroit? <laughs> Yes, I have. The slide, which was actually, yeah, I saw this. It was closed during the pandemic, reopened last Friday, but it was forced to close just hours later after videos went viral of riders going way too fast. This is unbelievable. I'm bouncing too high. And local rapper G Mac Cash even wrote a song about it. Have a listen. 
giant slide. Come on, man. Y'all ready? Let's get it. Hey, you can break your back on the giant slide. You can even break your neck on the giant slide. You can even bump your head on the giant slide. Then watch your hands and your legs on the giant slide. It's like jumping off a roof on the giant slide. Man, you can oh lose a tooth on the giant slide. It ain't much you can do on the giant slide. What's going on with this new? Kids was getting on my nerves, so I sent them to the giant slide. Hold on, baby, it's about to be a giant slide. you go down, baby, it's about to be a lot of fun. Man, I don't know what happened, all I heard was a lot of crying. This ain't the same giant it's slide we got on the, the chill. This new slide looking like they jumping off of a bill. This new slide, you gotta take like a Tylenol to get on. If your kids getting on your nerves, make them get on. still getting on your nerves, so you make them get back on. This new giant slide break necks and backbone. It's unbelievable. soon as you get back home, my kids get on. How do you think you want to test it? That's the thing I've, you know, what are you thinking? Well, I think we're going to talk about that. Okay, so uh, it's back open. The slide has since reopened with Bell Island writing on their Facebook page. We have scrubbed down the surface and started to spray a little water on the slide between rides to help control the speed. It seems to be working well, so please come out and give it a try. Would you trust it? Hell to the no. And for those who don't know, this is an island in the Detroit River, right across from Windsor, where I'm sure a lot of Canadians were looking at this giant slide and thinking, should I go over there? If you're in Windsor right now, listening to my voice and or Jesse's voice, hell no, do not go near this giant slide. Oh, that's the worst one. There's a lot of worse ones. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, the first... Four, so they reopened for four hours, then closed it down. Okay. How many lawsuits come out of the first four hours of that giant slide being reopened? I mean, I guess they have they don't sign a waiver. <laughs> you get to the top, but you're taking your your own life into your hands when you go to the top of that thing. Clearly, just watch a video. I mean, it, it, you you should assume all responsibility as an individual for this. If you make the sorry mistake to go on that slide, in my opinion, you're looking to make a viral video, and in fact, I don't like that. I don't like everyone's trying to go viral nowadays. You you think those people were trying to go viral by riding that slide? How do you think we're seeing it? Because they just reopened. You think those people had drone footage? Jesse, there's drone footage here. That's not drone footage. This is TikTok. This is what this is what people do. That is a bad one. That guy hit that. Homeboy, oh are you watching? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not good. These people are not trying to go viral. <laughs> they're going to the hospitals where they're going right after. Just in a dark what, room. What, what, is this some guy's phone, Jesse? You need the quiet. Yeah, the drone. I get the drone footage there. Uh, but you got to be in a dark room after that. What is the concussion protocol nowadays? You have to wake up every two hours in the middle of the night. Is that still a thing? Uh, don't ask me questions that require uh, some sort of medical, medical degree okay. live on national television because I'm just going to say I'm not a doctor. Right. So you're not driving to Detroit anytime soon, Bell River or Bell Isle, Isle Park to be specific to go down Bell that Bell River's thing. not far either. Okay, there you go. Look at me. Know my geography. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, Jake Meyer will start at quarterback for the Calgary Stampeders when they visit the first place Blue Bombers tomorrow. Meyer replaced Bo Levi Mitchell. In the second half of Calgary's win over the Argos on Saturday as they rallied from a 16-10 halftime deficit. Today, Mitchell wrote on Instagram, I am obviously frustrated with the decision any competitor would be, but I am a member of this team and I am not above coaching or criticism. I believe in Jake and believe he will be great winning football. 
I'll take the time to look at what I can do to make myself better, which will ultimately make us a better team. I'll be back on the field. Do you agree with the decision to bench Bo Levi Mitchell? I just wonder if it's got, listen, Jake Meyer has proven that he can win at this level mm -hmm. and a lot of people believe in his skills. How much of this has to do with Bo Levi Mitchell's strict play on the field and how much of it, does any of it have anything to do with the absolutely no filter that he's brought to his postgame yeah, comments. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that really, I don't think it should play a factor. Maybe it does, but I don't think it should because he, it shouldn't. he took responsibility for his own play too on top of ripping everybody else, coaches, players, every, like everyone. So when you, when, I think when you count yourself in all of that and you assume responsibility as leader of the team okay, too, once, it gives you a little bit more leeway. Twice? And should there be a thicker skin among the Stampeders? Probably. That's like I, I think it has something to do with it. I don't think Possibly. it should, but I also think that people are human, and if you throw everybody under the bus, even if you're included, sometimes that rubs people the wrong way. And I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be shocked if we gave the truth serum and someone said, "Yeah, that pissed me off," and I wanted to see if Jake Meyer wouldn't say that after a game that he maybe he won. He's a legend, obviously in the CFL. A legend, like. We're just benching legends now? Is that is that the deal? It's an interesting one. It's a very interesting one on a bunch of different levels. Because you would think that he has garnered enough uh, of a longer leash over the course of his career despite virtue of everything he's accomplished in the league. Losing to the Argos on the road, though? Yeah. Is that so bad? It's one game. Uh, okay, Oklahoma City Thunder rookie Chet Holmgren is, is undergoing tests on his right foot to determine the extent of an injury he suffered in a pro-am game on Saturday. The number two overall pick in this year's draft was guarding LeBron James at Jamal Crawford's crossover pro-am in Seattle when the injury occurred. Now, the game was canceled in the second quarter because of the condition of the court, which is a horrible look for all involved. Should NBA teams stop their players from taking part in off-season pro-am games, despite the fact that Malachi Flynn is the greatest pro-am player in the history of pro-am games? Malachi, so you're. I'm at, like the Raptors should let him play because he scored oh, no, 80 no, no, points the, a game. The, the NBA, will, the NBA will start putting their fingers in. They already have because they're trying to monetize it themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and this didn't happen because they had to stop the game because of uh, unsafe court conditions. Yeah, yeah. It was humid. It was wet in there. Um, a lot of guys sweating all over the floor and they couldn't get it done. This happened because LeBron drove into him and he took a bad step. Mm -hmm. uh, that's all, And that could happen anywhere at any time. But I guarantee you that the NBA will use this to get themselves involved in more leagues. Like they did um, Drew League's LA, right, Jay Sands? Yeah, Drew League is LA and, and NBA for the first time had some sort of hand in the Drew League. Mm -hmm. Um, for the first time this year, like they did, they put advertising on their website. You're going to see a lot more of that. They make money on Summer League already. Why not start yeah. doing it with Pro-Ams? Yeah, you've been seeing that a lot more uh, on social media for sure. You always had the Rico Hines camp. Everyone right. making a big deal about all the Raptors going to that camp. But now you're seeing many more Pro-Ams and we will see them in the future as well. Okay. By the way, I, the, the Stamps didn't lose to the Argos, but it was a close game. There you go. Okay, so he shouldn't be benched. <laughs> Former NFL coach Rex Ryan will be a contestant. I don't know either. Nine and sixteen, one hundred forty-nine <laughs> of the amazing race. Ryan will team up with his friend and golf partner Tim Mann, who works as a probation officer. Tim McAuliffe, 
Who would be your number one draft pick for an amazing race teammate? I am listening and waiting with bated breath here. Hmm? Yeah. Sid, we just, we would literally come to blows. <laughs> I don't okay. think that would be a good idea. All right, family member? Um, yeah, maybe one of my brothers, although they're all pretty intense too. I mean. Uh, my dad, um, yeah. Well, I'm just saying. Moose, who is my best man. I, uh, I mean, we, we do a pretty good job, I think. Dino Nuno. You, you, I know yeah, Dino yeah, Nuno. Dino. We could go yeah. to France as part of Amazing Race and have a fish together and see if we could win it all. <laughs> oh, yeah, Jesse. Jesse. Yeah, would, yeah that would be, yeah. that would be <laughs> my pick. That does it for us for another day here on Timmy Friends. A reminder, Jays and Red Sox about to get going over on Sportsnet. Meanwhile, Angels and Rays on Sportsnet now and later the Brewers and the Dodgers from Chavez Ravine. Thanks for watching. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Meyer was 14 of 18 for 156 in the game against the Argos, and they were the ones that brought it back. Anyway, don't ride the big slide. You got it.